Hello, I'm Ryan Cook, and this is Civic Tech Chat, a show that looks at the way technology, politics, and policy impacts the world around us, the tools we use, the way services are delivered, and how we talk about and set policy all shape our society. We'll gather around and have a chat about these things together and more. Before we get started, I do want to let you all know that we've started a Discord for the podcast. There will be a link with an invite down in the episode description. Do feel free to go check that out. It's a small community right now, but hoping to grow it. It's a great way to reach out to me and let me know things that you might want us to cover or to just hang out and talk about civic tech. Anyway, let's go ahead and start the show. Mike, thank you so much for joining us here on Civic Tech Chat. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do? Certainly. Um, uh, my name is Mike Gifford. I'm a senior strategist at Civic Actions. I, I am the accessibility practice lead. Uh, also um, uh, active on, on uh, issues of, of sustainability as well. Um, largely what I'm doing is, is, is being involved in, in uh, working with our clients on trying to improve the accessibility of the, uh, the work we're doing. But, but since, there's, there's, uh, since we're in a, a, a climate crisis, also looking to f- find ways to, uh, to take that, that experience and that knowledge and bring it over into uh, sustainability as well. What would you say is your personal why? That thing that drives you to get out of bed each morning and do what you do? I think that that a huge part of it is just sort of realizing that we have so much potential right now, and this is this is an opportunity for us to go into to make a difference in order to to make the world a better place. Like they, although there's there's um, really serious challenges facing um, you know us at this time, uh, we've never had a better more potential to go off and to, to improve our species and to be able to to figure out how to go off and work effectively together in order to to live more harmo- harmoniously on this planet so it's it's that 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 opportunity to to actually make a difference and, and feel that there's there's space in order to go off and to create a, a real significant change using digital technology are there any videos podcasts books or other media that you'd recommend to folks out there listening? Um, absolutely. Um, actually, I, I would say in terms of a book, there's a, a book I was reading uh, recently on the uh, uh, the solar punk genre. That's uh, that's uh, a psalm for the well build, um, and that's that's uh, an interesting sort of new new genre that's coming out. That's uh, also on a, on a climate tech perspective. Uh, some people here may like um, looking at at uh, um, Neil Stevenson and uh, his his book uh, Termination Shock. That's that's uh, fairly recent. Uh, from a podcast perspective, I listen to quite a lot of podcasts, but uh, uh, there's a there's an old one that I'm still quite fond of called Radio Open Source that that uh, doesn't actually touch on open source issues. And, and uh, um, I'm also a Drupal accessibility maintainer, so very interested in open source and and how that whole community grows. Uh, but this this Radio Open Source has a, a lot of interesting interviews with with both about technology and society and culture. Um, and uh, I'd also say there's a I'd say the the Long Now Foundation also has some great great uh, um, podcasts I enjoy listening to. I actually I, I have a follow up there. Uh, you mentioned a genre called solar punk. Uh, so, I haven't heard of that before. Could, could you talk about what that is? So there's there's um, climate fiction. That's a fair, relatively new genre that you can you can read. And, and Kim Stanley Robinson and others have have written within the the climate uh, the climate fiction genre. But then there's climate forward fiction or solar punk. So solar punk is sort of that the vision of 
Well, what happens when we get through the the uh, environmental catastrophes that that uh, or the challenges that we're in right now? What would our society look like? How do we envision the possibility of people living together in a way beyond advanced capitalism? Um, so it's uh, it's just sort of exploring ways of, of of people living sustainably on the planet through fiction. Also, potentially a bit. Uh, related to the subject we're going to broach today then, and maybe a good segue for us to hop into it in that, you know, we're going to talk a bit about, well, accessibility and sustainability today. When we're talking about that first bit, accessibility, particularly on the web, what, what does that mean to you? So, so it's essentially um, making sure that, that we're working to see that everyone can access digital tools. Like right now, um, uh, digital is is uh, is how people do their their work, their their uh, in socializations, their engagement in politics. Everything is happening on a digital sphere, and trying to make sure that that uh, that we're eliminating barriers so that everyone can participate fully in society. That that's really what I see as as the goal of uh, of accessibility at this point. It largely rolls up from a digital perspective into the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines uh, or WCAG. Uh, it's pronounced a bunch of different ways, but but that's a, a group of standards that that uh, that have been. Um, you know, evolved through the the World Wide Web consortiums uh, through the, the the Web Accessibility Initiative, um, and so that that group of standards is is largely what what global um, global accessibility standards are built on. So whether that's the um, uh, Section 508 in the U.S., whether it's the Accessible Canada Act in in Canada, or the the Web Accessibility Directive in the in the in the European Union, all of them use that that gu- as a as a basis for for understanding the the, the guidelines. And the, the standards that you're mentioning, what do they typically seek to do? So if someone maybe is approaching this conversation a little bit unfamiliar with what like a, the WCAG standards are meant for, uh, could you talk a bit about that? For sure. Um, so there's it's basically broken into to four broad pillars, uh, trying to make sure that people can perceive, operate, understand uh, the the uh, the technology and the environment that they're they're engaging with within a robust framework. So so yes, you need to be able to um, to see if you, if you have uh, if you're a low vision person, you need to have high contrast fonts on your phone in order to be able to uh, to see the text that's on there. Um, but even if you don't have low vision, you should be able to go outside and look at your um, your your phone in in uh, uh, on a on a sunny day and be able to go off and find the address you're trying to get to. Um, we shouldn't be assuming that people are are going to be using this technology in a um, in a in an ideal light and um, light controlled environment. Um, Microsoft put forward a really interesting uh, analysis or yeah, w- reframing of accessibility in that there's there's people who have permanent disabilities, there's temporary disabilities, and there's also situational disabilities. So um, people often think about situations where uh, where somebody is blind as, uh, and trying to accommodate the blind users. And, and when they're thinking about accessibility, it's, it's, it's an extreme use case that people, that captures, captures people's imagination. Um, and there aren't that many blind people, so people don't think it's actually that important. On the other hand, you know, if you look at people with disabilities, it's about a quarter of the population. So it's actually a significant uh, 
minority of the population that has some form identifies as having some form of, of disability uh, but when you include temporary disabilities like say you're getting your eyes tested and you have to go off and put uh, eye drops in your eyes and everything's blurry for for a few hours afterwards or or you've got allergies like i do it today and you're, you're trying to go off and to to see through somewhat blurry eyes uh you know that that's another type of disability but it's temporary because it goes away when when uh, when the, the when the pollens disappear um and also situational disabilities things like you know being outside on a sunny day and trying to go off and to enjoy one of the last day beautiful days of fall before winter kicks in like these are these are things that we we often try and do and and, and our technology sometimes doesn't doesn't allow us to to be as, as as productive as we could be in our conversation to prepare for this interview we talked a bit about how accessibility can be one of those things that's often left off to the end of a project can you talk a bit about the sort of impact or cost that choice has as opposed to being something that gets attention earlier on it's it's sort of like if you're if you're looking to go off and and, and uh, ret- you know, build a building and then add accessibility requirements to the building, it's going to be a lot more expensive because you, it'll probably be more expensive to retrofit an existing building uh, for accessibility than it would be to simply build it from scratch. Uh, accessibility isn't just like throwing on a coat of paint. It's like it's like making the walls wider. And so you know, there's different um, criteria that need to be think thought of when you're developing it. So the earlier you can address accessibility in the design process the more effectively it, it will be, the more robust it will be, um, and the less it will cost. So trying to, to, to shift the accessibility left um, and see that, that, that not only is it being uh, addressed early when you're thinking about the design process, but that everyone understands what their role is to try and build an accessible product. If it's really part of the process and part of the culture of the team that's building the, the tool, um, then it's something that, that actually will have, have a, a real high result of, be, of, of being um, accessible and reasonably affordable. If you get to the end of the project and then you're suddenly realizing that there's a whole bunch of accessibility stuff that nobody bothered to look at, well, you're going to have to retrofit and redesign and rebuild everything that you've done before. And it's probably going to be fragile. It's probably going to be not as as as, uh, as secure as it was previously, um, and it's also something that won't necessarily look as 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 clear and, and well designed as it was before, because it was an afterthought that needed to be reconsidered. So there's some reasons. You mentioned the idea of trying to inject it as a part of team process and culture. Mm-hmm. What what does that look like when a team has done that successfully? So if it's if it's something um, if a team actually builds the the uh, the process into their their um, if they're building accessibility into their their process and they're going to be involved they're talking about accessibility in their scrums uh, they're going to be uh, doing automated testing throughout the the, the process they're they're going to uh, actually uh, do manual testing because they they will know that automated testing only gets you a certain portion of the way um, you can't automate test all for all accessibility requirements. Um, there'll be, be um, you'll be able to have conversations about like what is the purpose of this, uh, what are we trying to accomplish here. Um, you'll see uh, accessibility annotations in the design system so that that the the uh, um, the designers and the developers and the content maintainers can all sort of come to an agreement about what what semantically should be happening with this. Um, and there'll also be elements where you'll be able to see more clearly uh, if you're if you're um, looking at, at support for for things like keyboard only users or for that matter uh, tablet interfaces trying to make sure that that more people are able to access it and we're not assuming that everyone is accessing the technology that we're building 
build, building through the same interface. Um, that that you know, given that the 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 number of people who are using mobile devices, um, it's a bit shocking how many um, how many interfaces are still built assuming that you're using a mouse. Um, and, and that's that's clearly not the case. Um, even if you don't have a disability, people are using their phones more and more in order to consume and produce content. I hear you painting a picture of a of team that has a conversation about accessibility at every layer or part of its development process. So I think I heard you mention things that would imply that you're talking about it when you're preparing the work, mm-hmm. when you're planning the work, when you're asking questions about it as you're implementing the work. Uh, if you're the sort of shop that puts together a test plan or something, it's like part yeah. of that test plan. Uh, if you do some QA, there, there's like some portion of that. Am I am I hearing you correctly? That's kind of something that is in like all layers of your kind of iterative cycle. There's something about accessibility. That's absolutely right, Ryan. And that every role has a responsibility. There, there's a, a value in having an accessibility lead in order to answer some of the, the basic questions. But whether you're a, um, a project manager, a developer, a DevOps person, um, there's a QA person, like there's, there's all kinds of ways in which accessibility plays into various different roles and, and trying to make sure that everyone understands what their responsibility is to, to implement accessibility um, to make sure that that's something that's not going to be that that they're they're that we're not going to be overlooking things is is really quite important. If there's some folks out there that are listening to this, you know, they're nodding along with us. Maybe they're you know on their commute on the train or something, and they're finding like, yeah, like I I agree with this, and I I want to try to do this at work. You know, I want to be an accessibility champion. What what advice would you give them as they're getting started with that thought? It really does help to have have support from leadership, um, making sure that there's 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 some buy-in from leadership that this is a direction that 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 uh, the organization as a whole wants to go. Um, if you don't have that, then then simply trying to go off and build a a network of of, uh, of people who are talking about accessibility can be quite important. Um, there are, there are so many good newsletters out there that are producing new material on a on a weekly basis where you can simply subscribe to a newsletter and reshare content into your internal. Slack channel so that you can have have that as, as a, a discussion that you can you can sort of take that information and read that um, it's really about how do you try and get people talking and asking about that uh, when we're looking at the hiring process at Civic Actions we really try and, and uh, support uh, we, we look for people who have certifications so whether that's the the DHS trusted tester or the IAAP uh, WAS or CPACC we're looking for people who've, who've actually uh, done that and so that's again something that you can you can do to try and make sure that you're bringing in people who have uh, have gone through the process of of, uh, of really trying to learn about about accessibility and, and becoming sort of recognized in their their knowledge sustainability is the other part of the topic that we're looking to dig into today when we talk about web sustainability what exactly are we referring to we're we're essentially talking about the environmental impact of our digital lives um, and the, specifically the web in in this particular instance but um, but our but we don't we don't think about the the environmental impact of the internet but the environmental impact of the internet is actually quite vast um, it's it's um, on par with with the airline industry uh, but unlike the airline industry um, the the digital world is growing at a, at a, at a at an 
an exponential rate. So we know that the, the you know, when we're, we're dealing with the, the growth of, of virtual reality, um, artificial intelligence, blockchain, all those things are, are requiring greater and greater processing power, greater data, greater, you know, bandwidth, like, you know, just the impact of big data alone, well, it has, has a huge impact in terms of, you know, how is this information being stored? How is it being transferred? How is it being backed up? Um, all that has environmental impacts uh, because they're, you know, stored in gigantic data centers. And, and yes, it's more environmentally friendly to go off and to, to, to store information in the cloud in an environment that is really uh, designed for a single purpose than it is to store, store it in a machine that's, that's in your basement most of the time if you, in terms of, of organizationals, organ, organizational capacities and organizational um, strengths. But, um, but I think that the, the, the challenge of, of, uh, of moving you know, of the, these data centers is, is A, they, they're vast. To, to build and maintain these, these data centers, it takes a great deal of energy. Um, and they're often not cooled or powered by renewable energy. So if most of our, our uh, data centers are powered by dirty coal, then that's something that's going to have a, uh, a long-term impact on, on um, whether or not we're able to go off and transition to a renewable uh, e economy. And, and so, so trying to go off and to, uh, to think about what is the source of our power, what is, how is our, our energy being um, can, you know, produced, and, 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 uh, and also looking at the devices that we have, and you know, our, 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 you know, even trying to go off and make sure that our cell phones are designed so that they last five years instead of two, um, that's a des design decision that, that, um, that currently isn't well supported in the, the manufacturers. You can't, you can't build a, uh, you can't buy a cell phone in North America that's designed to be repaired really like they're all about replacing them every you know two to three years so how do we how do we extend that so that we're not having to go off and to to to, to produce and, and dispose of so much um, you know valuable raw material so I guess in a way even this very conversation that folks are listening to has some impact right on the climate so in this case sure. we're starting with even our recording session we're doing right now or, you know, we're on a platform service that has a data center somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's being sent off to some RSS feed once I, you know, stop procrastinating and edit this episode to be downloaded to a device that, uh, as you were talking about with, you know, the right to repair topic, perhaps is one that's not so easy to replace the battery. So it's a yeah. device that's on a, you know, a three-year cycle instead of a five. It seems like uh, as a, a digital citizen, you're, you're going to in some way kind of touch this topic as you as you navigate your day is maybe what I'm hearing here. Absolutely. If, if you're if you're if if climate change is important to you, and you're thinking about your impact, I mean, this is um, digital still isn't likely to be your biggest single source of of, uh, uh, of impact. Probably still is going to be bigger if you're flying or if you're uh, dry, if you're commuting into work. Uh, there's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of advantages. Like certainly teleworking is a lot more environmentally friendly than 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 driving a car into to your your office than uh, you know and, and managing it that way. It may not be better than than uh, than cycling or walking into work, but uh, but still, it's a um, telecommuting has a lot of advantages because the the, it, the the even though it was a even though there is a carbon impact, is much smaller than than other modes of of, uh, of transportation. Um, and it's also interesting to be looking for those those vendors that are really taking. Um, uh, an advanced stand on climate change issues. And, and so Microsoft has done some wonderful things. Uh, Google has, has made some great announcements. Um, I think Zoom has, has, uh, has also tried to go off and to, uh, uh, to make a, uh, you know, commitments to reducing their, their CO2 emissions. Most of 
the the, the big environmental um, uh, players, most of the big uh, data digital players have have uh, have made some commitments on on climate change at this point. Um, at least what they're going to do between between now and and 2050. Um, now, mind you, you know between now and 2050, that's uh, that's a, a lot of computers will be bought and sold, and and uh, you know many uh, terawatts of, of electricity will have been consumed in that time frame. Um, but there certainly is a, an initial commitment to realize that this is something that that is is important. If there's folks out there that are maybe they're trying to build right now a thing that's going to be used by a lot of people on the web, and they're listening to this and going, "Oh, well, maybe this is something I want to think about." What what are some things they could try to seek to do to make sure what they're building isn't absolutely horrible with, with its with its impact? If you're looking at at um, just sort of basic awareness, there's a there's a couple of really interesting tools out there uh, that are actually similar to the the tools that that are available for for accessibility. So um, if you're if you're looking at accessibility, the Wave toolbar is probably the most common tool that people know about to sort of look at and evaluate uh, accessibility issues. Um, for the for the web, one of the big big ones is uh, is the 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 the, the uh, the, the the website carbon website carbon.com website um, and the green web foundation both of those are, are really useful resources uh, for for information about both the the sourcing of of, uh, of the the electricity for the data center that you're you're using um, as well as the essentially the page size of the the uh, uh, um, of the site so if you're trying to get a sort of a rough sense of of how much carbon a page uh, consumes to go off into uh, to, to load a page of data um, website carbon.com is, is, a, is a great uh, a great sort of project for that and the the team at whole grain digitals behind sort of implementing that and they've, they've done some really neat stuff as a digital agency um, in the UK trying to go off and say how do we how do we work to be a digital agency that that is sustainable and that is really trying to 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 reduce our, our environmental footprint footprint and the environmental footprint of our clients um, from a from a practical point of view um, probably the most most useful thing to do would be to to start prioritizing the Google lighthouse scores so most of the developers in um, in the the uh, the US are familiar with with the uh, um, Google lighthouse and and there's a lot of tools that are being built in for scanning for page size or uh, performance um, sort of look, looking for for there's accessibility issues in there there's SEO issues that are built into Google Google Lighthouse, but if you're able to focus in on the performance score and encourage people to to think about um, what can be um, what can we do to to start paying more attention to this? Can we get 100% accessibility um, and 100% performance when we're trying to to evaluate that? Um, and that may include thinking about things like the the broader user journey. So um, if we can give our, our our users a better user a, a better user experience, um, then then maybe that'll be something that that uh, that will actually reduce uh, the CO2 load of the website. So if we can more easily help them find the information that they want without having to to click on a bunch of our pages, uh, that may be a really useful way to go off and to, to reduce the CO2. Um, and uh, you know the the uh, um, the the PWAs are a really great way to to uh, uh, to try and, and uh, um, support users, especially mobile users, on on reducing their their uh, uh, or speeding up their performance time and, and making sure that they're able to go off and to use their devices more effectively. It occurs to me this might be one of those rare situations where like the business concern, the user experience concern, and the uh, uh, technical concern might all kind of agree 
on a thing right. without much, right? Because, you know, if, if a page loads faster, it sounds like that, well, in theory, would load your costs since that's like less uh, load on whatever hosting For service sure. you're using, which means less environmental impact because you're using less power. But then also, people like it when, pay, when pages load faster. Yeah. So potentially also a, a better uh, user experience. And I hear you also talking about, you know, reducing interactions. Potentially that can also lead to those sorts of improvements. Am, am, I, am I hearing that correctly? Or maybe this is like that rare nexus of agreement? Absolutely. It, it, it definitely is an area where, where there, there, there is a win-win-win if you're, if you're looking for it and, and you're able to go off into align it. So, um, and it, 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 uh, it's interesting looking at, um, you know, at what's happening in the federal government space in the U.S. around the the uh, um, the, the, the the CX uh, sorry customer experience executive order that went out last year, um, I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity in that to sort of say well how do we how do we actually improve the the uh, the performance of our websites because nobody likes a slow website that, that's not something that I like in in uh, you know downtown with a high speed internet connection and I really don't like it when I'm out at my cottage trying to go off and and uh, you know browse browse the internet from my phone um so so again how do we try and find those those situations so that that we can give everyone a good experience no matter what what level of bandwidth or technology they happen to have yeah it, it does sound like uh for example if you are one of those folks that have like a lower power device or maybe you're just in a place with slightly more difficult network connectivity as far as performance goes maybe it's higher latency uh, maybe there's less available bandwidth uh, it sounds like that itself can become a bit of an accessibility barrier. For sure. uh, has this been a problem that you've experienced in your work, and uh, have you sought to address that? I mean, I, I do try and, and and look for for allies in my in my work. How do we try and find ways that that we can uh, can support support. Um, multiple projects and multiple targets because i think that that there there are often times where where what what gets the most traction is the the shiny flashy thing so that's the 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 the, the sharp design the the interesting interactions the 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 fascinating movies and it's like okay well that's those are all neat but ultimately what i want to do is accomplish a task and and I, as a user i come to a website to accomplish the task and if if i can if I can um, have a better experience and make sure that that whether I have a disability or not, whether I'm connecting you know r- remotely or not, that I can I can try and and uh, um, yeah b- b- concentrate that that into to a um, I, I think that there's there's ways if we're, if we're able to work together, we can actually accomplish a lot more. It sounds a bit like you're describing well. There, there's a vocab term for this that. I is not in my brain at the moment, but effectively this idea of like, you kind of progressively make something more complex depending on like the capabilities you detect that a device has progressive enhancement. There it is. Yeah. So yeah, progressive enhancement is a, is a great approach, right? Where you're, you're, you're adding JavaScript to add more, more dynamic elements. Um, if you, uh, if you know that, that somebody is, is interested in having animation, you add that animation, but, but you, you're making it optional so that you're not forcing that animations on on, on people because, um, animations both take more bandwidth, but they also can make people, you know, actually physically ill. So there's, there's something called visually induced motion sickness that can, can basically, you know, you, 
you, you can ruin somebody's day by giving them a parallax website when they're not expecting it. So um, that's that's something that, that, that often web developers aren't thinking about because they're not aware of the implications that their design can have on other people. Uh, we've learned a lot about things like epilepsy and how, how flashing lights have, have uh, impacts on people with epilepsy, but that's just one type of, of uh, stim visual stimulus that can have an impact on, on, uh, on people's um, cognitive uh, states of mind. So, so we, we are really quite complicated as, as, a, as a species and, and uh, there's so much diversity out there and so much to learn um, that, that really this is a, a great opportunity to try and say, well, how do we, how do we communicate effectively to more people using these, these amazing digital tools that we have right now? And so much of it just requires thinking about it and being intentional about how we're building this so that we're not trying to build a perfect interface, but we're just trying to build an interface that's better today than it was yesterday. That it's it's about progress versus perfection. So how do we how do we structure that into our, our processes so that whether you're thinking about accessibility or sustainability, um, that we're we're looking at, at at seeing this as a journey that we're going to be continually adding to, um, and and this is I think that that, that uh, so much of the um, I think so much of our society is is really already there. Um, so so for example, you don't expect that the operating system that, that comes with your phone will be be the one that you you have when, when you know, when it throughout its entire life lifetime. You might upgrade your phone, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 times in the, the span of the, the, the ownership of that phone, um, just because there are security updates that need to get sent out on a regular basis. There's additional features that come out. That's just how the web works and then the internet in general. So we should be able to go off and to think about that for, for, for everything that we're doing, that we're not actually releasing a final product, but we're just building the best release for now. And in the future, we will go off and try and make it more sustainable and more accessible so that we can have a better impact about the, the services that we're trying to deliver. As folks are working on these incremental changes, uh, where they're talking about things like performance, accessibility, sustainability, security, these are all things that require energy and advocacy on a, on a project or a product mm -hmm. to balance against. There's also then like kind of that functional feature stuff that right. becomes part of the product as well. Uh, what have you seen work as far as folks trying to figure out like the best balance for the right amount of time and energy for each one of these kind of complicated topics? I mean, b balance is a tricky one. And, and uh, I think that, that it's, it is, especially when you're, you're looking at, at, uh, uh, challenges where 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 you you can't have a site you, you can't not have security that's something that's, that's got to be built into the website um, but likewise I think you, you can't not have accessibility I'm just sort of thinking about um, even the long-term um, the, the long-term implications of, of the projects you're developing. Um, so if you build in a project that doesn't have accessibility baked in, it's not going to be as accessible for, uh, for your SEO uh, or for that matter, when you're trying to go off and, and upgrade your system so that it can engage with uh, Siri or Alexa or, or Google Home, like all of those tools, all those machine tools need to have semantics built in. So if we can think about this as, 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 you know, supporting both our future selves, but also the future, uh, the future applications that we're trying to go off and support. Um, so accessibility is is really something that we're we're investing in for the long term, um, and uh, and it, uh, you know I think it comes down to to trying to 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 help invest the team to learn so that that everyone sort of understands what the the, the what the next load is or what, but but also trying to say how do we 
how do we um, use open source tools to try and work with a community in order to to see that we're not trying to do this all on our own um, that that if we're trying to to, to think about accessibility um, just as uh, within our own individual silos it's it is going to be rather overwhelming but you know but if we're able to say okay well we've got something like the USWDS the US web design system that's actually a fairly large community um, that has already thought quite a lot about accessibility um, that's thinking about performance um, they haven't thought really about about sustainability yet, but that's something that's that's coming, um, and that there's ways to, to look at at uh, in incorporation of, of uh, uh, things like SVG graphics, so that there's there's a, a better support for uh, for things like dark mode, which are good for accessibility, but also uh, really quite good for the environment because if you're able to to use a, a dark screen, it will actually cons consume less power than a, than a light by background does, uh, at least on on most monitors. Um, and uh, uh, so, so yeah, trying to think about ways that we can we can work collaboratively on these things, so that that uh, that that we're not simply uh, focused on what are our needs within our, our particular silos. That we can we can learn from others, we can share with others, and we can we can you know find a way to to. Uh, produce a uh, a digital experience that's really one that that's that's the the uh, the best for everyone if there's someone out there that say they're working on an existing project and this is something they're either they're listening to us and finally like oh man it's time for this or maybe they've had this on their mind already uh, what advice would you give them as they're trying to maybe bring it raise it up as something of a higher priority in a project where maybe it hasn't always been there I, th I think that the the, um, the the it is useful to be part of a community. So um, there's a, a great Slack community and web community called ClimateAction.Tech. Um, and that that is a community that has um, a lot of resources available. Um, I think it's useful to, to, to ask questions in places like that. Um, there's also an online conference called Sustainable UX that's uh, that's looking at uh, sustainable design and and uh, um, efforts to try and, and uh, to reduce our environmental fo uh, footprint of uh, through design. Um, so so learning is is, an, is always the first step, uh, but but also looking at you know what can you do like if you can use a tool like the website carbon.com website to evaluate the work that you're doing well then you might sort of see like how are we doing comparatively are we better than average or are we worse than average and what kind of goals do we want to have if we want to sort of think about the uh, from a performance perspective what is our ideal page weight that we're targeting do we want to have a page weight that is um, you know I mean the average page weight of a, of a website right now is about I think it's about four megabytes which is which is larger than the 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 average uh, it was larger than the initial download of the video game Doom. So if you've got something that uh, is an interactive game that many of us you know, enjoyed at one point in our lives, uh, and you've, you've got the average web page being larger than that whole video game, we're, we're doing something wrong. And uh, and I think that's you know so much of that is is like thinking about well what libraries are we using what third party applications are we using what are the things we can get rid of what are the the places that we can um, we can think about uh, about reducing the the page weight um, or the resources we're consuming so that we can um, can can have a faster better experience for all of our users and the planet itself for that matter. And of course, so, something I. I heard in that in that that answer that really just got latched on in my brain is is that uh, example of the the size of doom. I, I feel like that could now be a standard of measure. Like how many dooms right, is this exactly. is this is this web page? 
Uh, I now like I want to see a slide deck at work where you know someone's like has the chart of how many dooms each page is. Uh, that would be that that would brighten my day. I think <laughs> that's right. That'd be it'd be it'd be quite entertaining to go off and have that that uh, visual reference. Uh, but but it's, it is really interesting to have a goal to say like how much do we want to transfer? What is the what is the the um, um, are there ways that we can um, collectively to go off and say what are our expectations what what is what is a reasonable thing we should be expecting um and also sort of well what are the extremes like um i think that uh, uh the, the the folks at whole Grain digital did a um a low a low carbon website with um for mercedes or something like that for where they're producing an electric vehicle i think and they wanted to go off and have a uh, a nice a nice low vision or sorry low low um uh, low impact site that they were developing, but what was also visually interesting, and it's and it's a fascinating constraint for designers to go up and say, okay, you have to build this website under you know 300 kilobytes. Go. <laughs> what can you do with with CSS, SVGs, with text? Like, how do you make this visually interesting? If you if you have that that constraint, in that you can't simply you know, upload your your 10 megabit background image or your your interactive videos that that uh, that load on 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 uh, you know on page load like it's a you know it, it makes it much more challenging to go off and, and for for designers to go off and create uh, beautiful websites but it certainly is possible and and uh, that a, a good designer can make that happen i am not a good designer but that's <laughs> uh that that is not my skill set either but uh <laughs> It's I, I get the privilege to work with some really really great ones, and uh, you definitely definitely want to have access to that talent for this. It sounds like for sure. Absolutely, yeah. During our prep conversation, we talked a bit about how all this might mean putting some fresh thinking into what it means to build, you know, a, a quality product. In quotes, there. Have you developed any hot takes about what that means since we chatted that time? I think that that um, that, that it is interesting going going back to. Um, uh, there, there's a there's a uh, there's a thinker who, um, who started um, in the I think in the the 50s talking about sort of the in Japan's industrialization, uh, Edward Demings, um, who who had all of these ideas about how to go off and create quality manufacturing, and how to, to how organizations needed to embrace work and workers um, differently, and so that there's there's a real sense of embedding that that culture of quality into the um, the work that 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 a, a t- whole team is doing in order to deliver um, on a, you know, to deliver a really high standard quality product, and that thinking really helped our modern uh, industrial uh, development in terms of like standardized screws and nuts, and making sure that cars were able to go off and to to confidently know that that you could assemble them um, where each piece piece was you know essentially exactly identical up to a certain percentage of of, of error, um, and uh, and I think that there's there's a lot. Um, a lot of, of those ideas about how to work effectively as a team, how to uh, engage uh, collaboratively in terms of, of, uh, of you know, communicating errors, errors or processes that uh, that may may affect the the overall um, work on a, on a shop floor, um, or for that matter within the the workflow of a, of a design team. Um, you know, when we're we're thinking about our product life cycles, I think there's a lot that that digital has to learn on from these these uh, these old 
older ideas of, of building quality into to workmanship um, and uh, being able to re reproduce that time and time again. Um, so, so I think going going back to 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 Edward Demings is is a uh, is a really uh, useful beginning. But uh, but but also looking at things like you know, what what is happening in the in the UK with how how the the, the UK government is is implementing um, service standards. What is being done um, around uh, in the in the the US around uh, digital dot sorry accessibility dot digital dot gov and and looking at accessibility in teams and so again reinforcing those ideas that that accessibility isn't just something that sits on one person's shoulders but something that a whole team needs to go off and to bear responsibility for so those are at least some ideas around around how to to think about quality in a way that that is is different than we have uh, in the last twenty years um, and things that we need to, to to build that into how we're we're thinking about accessibility now but also we really we need to start quickly incorporating that into sustainability uh, as well because we just don't have the time to go off and to have another two decades of, of bringing the, the, these learnings from, from implementing quality systems from accessibility. We don't have that 20 years to go off and build that into sustainability. We need to really find ways to prioritize and reduce the impact of our, uh, our websites you know, sooner because we, we just don't have the time. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Civic Tech Chat. I have no doubt folks are going to listen to this conversation and take some interesting nuggets into their day. Thank you very much, Ryan. This is wonderful. You can follow us on Twitter using the handle at Civic Tech Chat. Visit us on the web at civictech.chat or subscribe to us for content updates wherever it is you download your podcasts.